a KJAC Radio production. Hey everyone, welcome back to Randy's Metal Reviews, my weekly podcast where I review a new metal album each week, tell you what's worth buying, and tell you what's worth throwing in the trash. Alright, this week I'm going to do something special, and I'm going to review a classic album by a classic band by the metal gods themselves, Black Sabbath. This is their debut album, Black Sabbath, released in 1970. And I know it's been done a million times before, but and you probably know the history, but for those who don't know, I'm going to go through the history of the band and where they got, how they got where they are today, and actually where they are early today. But uh, yeah, here we go. They're formed in 1968 by Tony Aomi, Bill Ward, the drummer, bassist Geezer Butler, and don't you can't even forget Ozzy Osbourne, the man himself. The Prince of Darkness. It started out when uh, Tony Omi and Bill Ward, they were in a band together before called Mythology, I'm pretty sure. And uh, then they were in search, for, in search of a new bassist after it broke up. And they ended up finding Geezer Butler and Ozzy on vocals. And in the interview I was watching by Tony Omi, he was saying that he was so used to like his old band, how they were like super tight together and stuff. They're like, when they played together the first time, it was just like bad compared to what he had been doing. And they were playing, they played a small show in one of these places. And somebody went up to the stage to Ozzy and they're like, you're crap. And so like, I cannot imagine anybody telling Ozzy, can you imagine being that guy now? And they said after a while, once they got all familiar with each other and each other's style and things went way more smoothly for them. They, after this, they, uh, well, they called their new band, uh, Polka Tulk Blues Band, which I'm not a big fan of that. And then later they changed it to Polka Tulk. And then after that, they changed it to Earth, which Ozzy didn't really like at all. And then at this point, that was when, um, Tony actually left the band to play with Jethro Tull, and he was just he was just talking about how it just didn't it didn't feel right to be uh, to be in it. Like he didn't feel like it was like a big it didn't work for him. So he left, came back to Earth, and then one more name change. They then they finally changed it to Black Sabbath, and they released their first album, Black Sabbath which is the one I'm reviewing right now, February 1970 on Friday the 13th. Hence all their like spooky-themed songs. And what better way to do that than the 1st of October right now, you know? And, uh, yeah, this album it was certified plat- has been certified platinum since then, even though it wasn't received super well because nobody was used to this kind of sound. They're like, one's like, oh... But there were a few fans who were like, I really like, you're a great, like, heavy metal band. He's like, no, we're heavy rock. Like, well, you're heavy metal. He's like, well, I, it doesn't matter what you call it. We're heavy rock. And they finally, they accepted the fact that, they accepted that they were a heavy metal band. They didn't really know how. I don't think they realized how new of a genre they're creating at this point. And, uh... After that, they a few months later, after that album released, in June 1970, they released Paranoid, 
an equally legendary album, which I love just as much, which had Iron Man, War Pigs, and Paranoid on it, in addition, in addition to some others, but those are my ma- my favorites off of it. And it was on uh, Rolling Stone's Top 500 Best Albums of All Time. A year later, they released Master of Reality, and it's actually certified double platinum since that release, so as of today, and Black Sabbath Volume 4 released right after that, a little bit after that, they had like a short little break between the Master of Reality tour, but they were on some serious drugs during Volume 4's release, and oh yeah, by the way, Volume 4 doesn't really mean, they called it Volume 4, Black Sabbath Volume 4, but there were no Volume 1, Volume 2, Volume 3, so I'm surprised to know that. I knew they had a lot of albums, so I wasn't sure if I had been missing something by only having heard Volume 4 and none of the other volumes, but there's no Volume 1, 2, and 3. And Oh, there's a funny story in that, uh, in the interview, the Tony interview I was listening to, and he was saying that, like, they were in uh, Beverly Hills, I think, and they had the idea with all all their crazy stuff they were doing. To just paint the drummer, Bill Ward, gold with gold spray paint. So they sprayed him gold, and then they got clear lacquer and sprayed him with clear lacquer. <laughs> so he started feeling really sick. He's like, oh, no, no. So they all they all called 911. They're like, oh, well, I, I don't know what. It, yeah, 911. They're like, yeah, it's, a, it's an emergency. And they're like, what is it? Well, uh, he's painted gold. What? Yeah, he's he's painted gold. So they paint so the they came they came up and then the emergency guys came up and they were just like chewing them all out like why they would do such a stupid thing. And they ended up having to then they went back to the garage where they got all the gold paint and stuff and used paint thinner to just well paint stripper to just um, go all over his body with that to get all the pain off <laughs> so he was bright red but that's that's not where any of their shenanigans and craziness uh, stopped because they even did he was saying later they're like they had the great idea of like hey uh, um, hey Bill can I set you on fire he's like well um, not, not, not at the moment but I'll be back and then <laughs> So he went to the studio. He was doing some recording and stuff. Then he comes back. He's like, "Yeah, I think I think I'm re- I think I'm ready to be lit on fire now." <laughs> so I just that's that's some en- that's some energy there. And um, what else? So as of they released a lot of other albums after that. So I'm gonna go through those real quick before I go into some other like side stories, I guess. Yeah, and after Volume 4, they recorded Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, that album, in 1973. And they actually got really good reviews. Rolling Stone said it was an extraordinary gripping affair and nothing less than complete success. And then they went on a big tour with Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, Deep Purple, Eagles, Black Oak, Arkansas, and Earth, Wind, and Fire. And they had some t- TV broadcasting and stuff. And they wanted this next album to have a different sort of sound. So they recorded Sabotage, which released in 1975. And they said 
And Rolling Stone said Sabotage is not only Black Sabbath's best record since Paranoid, it might be their best ever. But later, like, later on, they they didn't really like it as much and said it kind of lost the, what the core of what Black Sabbath is. Um, I really, actually don't really remember any songs off of this one, unfortunately. Because then, but, I, because I never really listened to it any of the other albums that uh, that Ozzy Osbourne wasn't the singer on. I've I've heard a few songs of theirs, but yeah. All right, actually, I take that back. I have heard a song off of Sabotage because that one had Hole in the Sky, Hole in the Sky, which I did not. Well, for those of you that didn't know, I've basically only pretty much ever heard the Pantera version of this song. I didn't even know it was a cover, so they were covering Black Sabbath without me even knowing it for years until I figured it out. I mean, but you really can't beat the original either, unless you're Pantera. After Sabotage, they released Technical Ecstasy, and right after that, when they were going to do a tour for it, Ozzy Osbourne abruptly left the band, and Dave Walker, that used to be in Fleetwood Mac, filled in as vocalist. And then later, they um, they ended up running. Black Sabbath ended up running into Ozzy Osbourne in a bar, and he's like, "Hey, I guess I want to join the band again." So yeah, he joined again, and basically he wouldn't really he didn't want to sing any of the songs that they had written with the uh, Fleetwood Mac singer. So they ended up having to do a whole bunch of other stuff. So for five full months, they were just doing drugs and stuff and took forever for them to record anything. But they ended up um, releasing Never Say Die. And it got some pretty bad responses, but it wasn't too bad. They still ended up hitting Certified Gold 20 years later. But it doesn't really compare to the success they had with their first four albums. And after that album, after the Never Say Die, they went back to L.A. to record some stuff. And then they ended up not even, they barely got anything done. They were just doing so many many drugs and they would practice and nothing would get done. Or Ozzy would be drunk or this person would be doing drugs too. So it just kind of all fell apart. And Tony Iommi had to fire Ozzy from the band. Uh, on April 27th, 1979. And after that, they ended up replacing Ozzy with Ronnie James Dio of Dio. Geezer Butler left for a little bit, who was replaced by Craig Gruber, who, um, who had played with Dio before. And then Gruber was soon replaced by Jeff Nichols. And then they returned, uh, they actually began recording with this new lineup. They were, um, they did Heaven and Hell. Then they went on a tour with Blue Oyster Cult in 1981. And, oh man, they did, they actually did a lot of shows and they were, everyone said that they had like a new sort of energy. And then August 18th, 1980, Ward quit the band, The Drummer. And he just could not get on the stage without Ozzy. He drank a whole bunch. He... Yeah, he just ended up having to leave the band. They then replaced him with Vinny Appice. 
and it's just like a mess, everything. And then they had a riot with $10,000 worth of damages to an arena. And they completed the tour in 1981 and went back to record the second album with the new lineup, Mob Rules, in 1981. Certified Gold. And then Ronnie James Dio left the band in 1983. Tried to release his... Well, he did release his own album with the drummer Vinny at that point, but was still overshadowed by Ozzy Osbourne's album Speak of the Devil. So now they're out of a singer, so they they ended up hiring Ian Gillen of Deep Purple to replace Dio. And then they actually got Bill Ward back on drums, but a sober Bill Ward, because there's no way they would have hired him again. But he could not tour because... There's so he just kind of fell apart because he was so afraid of touring and drank instead of dealing with the fear. So he he ended up actually being replaced and left again. So you had Bev Beaven from Electric Light Orchestra replaced him on drums. Then after that, you had Ian Gillen left the new singer from Deep Purple. He went to rejoin Deep Purple, but it seems like to me. The band really could never go back to what it was. Because at this point, I don't really consider that Black Sabbath the same Black Sabbath. Yeah, they kept the name, and they kind of tried to keep the same feel. But when you have vastly different vocalists, like you have Ozzy Osbourne, alright. You have Ronnie James Dio, and then Ian Gillen. All of them have such distinct different styles. The band really cannot sound the same with a different vocalists like that. I think they should have done at least some kind of side project until all of them got their act together or something because it's not really the same band if you have the lead vocalist such drastically different. I, yeah, because when I hear some of the Black Sabbath with Ronnie James Dio. I'm not a super huge Dio fan, even though I, I like all the band members themselves. Like, I don't know. I've never been a huge Dio seems like he should just be the singer of Dio. That's kind of in my opinion. You can disagree with me if you want, but then you have and deep purple that he's a good singer too, but it just doesn't seem it doesn't seem like it mixes well with the Black Sabbath vibe of being like doomy, gloomy, and dark. Because those singers aren't really, even when they're singing for them, it doesn't seem so like sludgy like you'd expect from Black Sabbath. And back in 1984, once again, Ward joined, the drummer joined the band again. And quit right after, pretty much right after, because he didn't really like how things were going with Ian Gillen as a singer and stuff. And he just took it as a joke. And then Geezer Butler left, leaving Tony Iommi as like the only original member. So that that left Tony Iommi in kind of a weird spot. He had to like, so he wanted to just get a whole bunch of different guest singers, like the Judas Priest singer and those guys. But... If even when he tried to get that kind of stuff together, they just the Warner Brothers, the label wanted to keep releasing things as Black Sabbath, and didn't really give them a say. What why he couldn't just call have it a uh, 
Tonaomi release, like a solo record, just like Ozzy has done, and probably the rest of the members have done too. So I think that was a big mistake for the record companies to just keep the name just for the profitability because it's not what Black Sabbath was. And I'm skipping over a few albums because they released a lot of different albums, went through a whole bunch of different singers and drummers left and came back. So now I'm just going to go to when they um, reunited. They had in 1997 through 2006, uh, Iomi, Butler, and Osborne all got together to do their the OzFest tour with... Uh, they actually were alongside um, Ozzy's solo solo band. So I thought that, that's really cool. I wish I could have been around then. And in 1998, then um, Bill Ward suffered a heart attack and was replaced by former drummer Vinny Appice. Then he returned for a tour with... Um, he returned for the band where they played with Pantera during the OzFest tour. And then they're kind of on hiatus again. Then Iomi actually, after that, Iomi has, has his first solo album, which I think the other album, some of those other ones should have been considered his solo album stuff, but hey, that's just me. And then, yeah, in 2006, Rhino Records released Black Sabbath, The Dio Years, which was all the albums that Ronnie James Dio was a singer. So those, and this was while Ozzy was working on his solo stuff. Um, Ronnie James Dio, Butler, and uh, Apis, the drummer, all got together and recorded three new songs. And it was such a hit, they actually called themselves something else that was not Black Sabbath, which I definitely am for. They called it Heaven and Hell after their, um, since they produced that album as a group, those three. Then there is a lawsuit that uh, Ozzy Osbourne filed in May 2009 against Iommi with what he named the band. And it was just kind of... It was just kind of a mess. I don't really... I really hate these kind of lawsuits. But then they never ended up getting to any kind of settlement because Ronnie James Dio died in 2010. They just kind of dropped it, I think. But none of the terms of the settlement have been disclosed. Then in 2011, they were going to do the original three members again. You got Iommi, Ward, and Ozzy Osbourne together. And then Iommi got diagnosed with lymphoma cancer. So that tour had to be canceled. They did make an album called 13 in that year. but And then they ended up going on another tour. And they were going to do a 20th album back in 2014, but yeah, they didn't. They didn't end up doing that. But they played their last concert together on February 4th, 2017, in Birmingham. That they live streamed and stuff. And there's still some discussion that they may get back together. And Ozzy is not fully against it, but Tony Omi might be. And the fact that Bill Ward wasn't actually with them when they did their last reunion tour. So, it's a possibility, considering the fact that Ozzy's still around and doing his own thing. I And he released his own album and stuff. I could see it happening. I, I'd like to see him if I could. That'd be probably the most amazing thing I could go do. 
It'd probably be hundreds of dollars per ticket, but I might be down for that. But on that note, I actually did buy tickets to an Aussie concert. What was it? Two years ago or something. And that's back when Aussie had his back injury and hurt his back and had to get like pins and stuff in it. And then he got really sick. So I don't know when he's going to do his tour again, but that can't tour got canceled. So I don't get to see him. Luckily, I did buy tickets for to see um, Megadeth and Trivium and Lamb of God and stuff. With all this uncertainty with the virus, I don't know when any of these sort of concerts are going to happen. But I know I would like to see Ozzy and possibly Black Sabbath if that was a possibility in the near future. Because I don't want to miss my chance to see these legends, the, the pioneers of heavy metal. So love them or hate them, these guys were the pioneers of everything that you've heard since then. So many other great metal bands like Metallica, Anthrax, Slayer. Those guys laid the groundwork for all this. And they were a big influence even on some newer bands with uh, Sludge Metal, Doom Metal, Death Metal. They, they brought that idea forward. So I think it's fantastic and... Whether I liked their earlier, whether I liked their later years or not, what they did at the beginning is what influenced metal so much. So I'm thankful for Black Sabbath and for my uh, my dad for introducing me to Black Sabbath. Wouldn't be the same without him. But yeah, there's some cool stories about him actually. I uh, as a guitarist, I looked into Tony Iommi's guitar technique. Since he pioneered a lot of different types of, they weren't super difficult riffs until you think about how he did these riffs. So when he was, he was in high school and he was like, he was working in a, he was a welder and he had a job at this like sheet metal plant and stuff. And a guy that he normally just welded, but the guy who was supposed to cut the metal wasn't there that day. So it was his job to do this. He like they're like, all right, well, you go ahead and cut that metal. He's like, all right, I guess. So he went up, and he was pushing this metal sheet through so it could chop it into like squ little squares and things. And he ended up ripping off the center two fingers of his of his hand. So there now he went to the doctors and they told him, "Nah, forget being able to play guitar again." So he learned how to play guitar. He made his own um. He wasn't going to take that. So he made his own fingertips out of leather and different materials. After he figured out, he f he did a little experimenting on it. But he ended up deciding on leather fingertips to play. And just put them on his where the fingertips are rubbed off. And learned how to play that way. And it took a long time. Especially considering the fact that he's from an era where they didn't really have that many left-handed guitars. So he was just playing a right-handed Stratocaster that he had just flipped upside down. And not until he was recording with that Strat that he normally used did he use the guitar you've probably seen him most with, his Gibson SG. The pickup went out on his Strat, so he had to use the SG, and that's what he's known for now. I don't think I've really seen him. I didn't really know he played a Strat before. Okay. And this was kind of a long history and rant about 
what I think bands should or shouldn't do when they get new singers and stuff. But I actually didn't get into the album itself because a lot of it sounds pretty similar, but I'll tell you that their debut album defined what heavy metal is so much that they weren't really, they didn't really accept it as being called heavy metal at the time. My favorite song on this, which is not on every single version, it seems like. I don't I don't know. I've looked up different ones. I have one downloaded. I can't always find it, but it's uh, Wicked World. And it's one of their first ones that they actually recorded. It just has a perfect balance of speed. And then you, it's really cool, just raw energy in it. The bass line is really groovy. The guitar is... Yeah, it doesn't, it just seems in the moment, and it's fantastic. Also, um, my other favorite one from this one is Black Sabbath, the song that the album's based on. And I saw a little thing of Geezer Butler talking about, they lived, the reason they named the song Black Sabbath is because back when they, they bought an apartment somewhere, And for some reason, they decided to paint all the walls black and then had inverted crosses painted everywhere. But, and Ozzy had this, like, weird book, some kind of weird Satan kind of book or something. I don't know. But uh, he, Geezer woke up to have a black figure standing at the end of his bed. And it just scared him so much. He just got, got rid of and he went to look for the book, but the book is no longer there. So I think that's they're kind of done with that kind of stuff at that point. They still did some spooky lyrics, some creepy darkness stuff, but that's a scary story. I cannot... Yeah, no. No thanks. I don't want a dark figure standing at the end of my bed. Nope. Even if it's Halloween, still do not want that. But if you're wondering when it talks about that, that's... That's a line everyone knows, but it's just like, What is this that stands before me? It's the dark figure at the end of your bed. That's what he's talking about. Which he's, he says in the song, but for those that didn't know, there you go. The whole atmosphere of this album is what I like and why I chose this one over other ones. is because it all fits a sort of theme, which is what makes Black Sabbath what it is. A dark, kind of gritty kind of sound because you had a little bit distorted bass. The guitars were pretty slow and low-tuned and stuff. Partially because I only played with low uh, loose strings so he could play it better with his uh, missing fingers and stuff. It just added to the atmosphere of the song. You had rain sound effects, um, church bells. It's fantastic. Anyone who hasn't heard it should just go out and listen to it. Any, any, I'm sure any place is going to sell the first Black Sabbath album. Any place that sells albums. Or just download it. This album is one of the... It's just one of the first heavy metal albums ever. And you can, you'll be able to hear the influence they had on all the bands around them. So I highly recommend this album. I highly recommend all of Black Sabbath. 
all the early years. And if you're into more of, if you like how Dio sings, then you'd probably like a lot of um, their mid-years when they had Dio as a singer. If you like Deep Purple, you'll probably like the stuff where they sang with that singer. But if I was going to rank this album, I'd give them a 10 out of 10 because this is one of the best heavy metal albums of all time. Classic heavy metal. But that is it for today's episode of Randy's Metal Reviews. And uh, for those of you don't, if you don't remember, my favorite ones off this one, you should definitely check out after this. Listen to Black Sabbath um, and Wicked World. Those are my favorite. But The Wizard is on there, and that's a really great song too. So I recommend just listen to the listening to the whole thing, back to I mean front to back, and see what you think. So yep. That was Black Sabbath's Black Sabbath, and I'll see you next time on Randy's Metal Reviews. Good night.